0: Janan Budge from Forrester, like uh, to you in forever. So like, this is awesome to be back on chatting with you. You're one of my favorite people. Always have a smile, Uh, just just genuinely brighten my day. Like, can you give just a quick, uh, this is who I am and where I come from.
1: Thank you. So good to be here and so good to see you after all this time. Hello everybody, Janan Budge, I lead our security and risk research in Asia Pacific at Forrester and I research globally on awareness, behaviour, and culture. I've been in security for 23, 24 years, which is a terrifying amount of time. I've been a consultant, I've been a CISO, I've done and now an analyst. So it's such a privileged position for me to have experienced all different aspects of this this industry. And my hope... Always, was, always, always will be to make it better from a people and business perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've done it all, especially being at the top of the food chain CISO, which you say CISO, because I always murder it, you know, but um, and then moving across the the sort of spectrum over here to the analyst side. And you, the one report you just went in and published real recently was a real, really around culture and people and cyber. Um, I want to dig at that a bit.
1: Yeah, so this is the research about influencing, I think, I can't remember what I ended up calling it. In my mind, it's always the to punish or not to punish, but I think the official name is something like influencing positive employee behaviour through means that are not fear, shame and acronyms. The other word that I can't really pronounce. Um, And it's something that's been bubbling on my mind for two years. When I started hearing our clients ask questions about, oh, should I fire people for failing phishing simulations three times or not? And there seemed to be two sides of this equation and people were so passionate about whichever side they were on. And it's like there's this frustration from security people. It's like if you keep on failing or if you're falling for business email compromise, um, then you've got to go. Like we need to do something about this. And it was you know, that of course triggered me. It's not, it's not my style. It's not my way. It's <laughs> Come on. Um, But at the same time, it's really, really hard to balance that situation. And, um, you know, noting that you can't say to people, oh, you know, just be positive and let's all be happy. And you play nicely in the sandpit because that's not, that's not life. That's not practical. So, I thought about it, I thought i will park it for a while because there were so many voices on that particular topic and I did park it, but then the more I thought about it and the more discussions I had, I thought, no, 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 this needs to come out. Anyway, you have to stop me because I can't stop. No, but the no. other thing that triggered me in all of this is when people have this conversation, they come back to, um, well, Training has to be better. Training has to be better. This is all about training. Let's make our training better. I'm like, no, training, no, this is not about training, actually. If you've got good security processes, if you've listened to your users, if you've paid attention to productivity um, and you've helped support people to be productive, then guess what? They're not going to be circumventing the rules. This is not just training. So there was there was a lot there that I've just played out. yeah,
0: so I mean with with that, right? and I I really like what you're saying is super interesting for me because I'm of the school, and I, you and I've talked about this in the past of like,, yeah. I'll train you, I'll educate you, I'll put controls in front of you, and if you continue to do things that are counter to our safety and security, eventually I'm sorry, like you gotta go. But yes. what you're saying is that that's not necessarily wrong. But there's a, there's a, I guess you, what would you call it, a maturity curve or a sort of life cycle to how that all that how that works.
1: Yeah. We, well, I I ended up creating for this research and not wanting to dive into the detail, but we ended up creating a severity versus frequency matrix on, and suggested segmenting people in where they fit in that matrix. So for some people, uh, I've called them humans. And they are people like me, maybe you. I don't know if you've sat through some of our security awareness and training that we've had to sit through and you just wanted to poke your eyes out with a stick. It's like what in the fresh hell is going on here? (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. And I fail. I actually fail security awareness and training programs regularly. I have in my career. And for everybody who's listening, I do. I actually am one of those people who have several university degrees and don't, you know, shouldn't necessarily be failing uh, things at an intellectual level, at least but here am I failing these things. So I'm calling that person human. There's a person that I'm calling a victim. And a victim is somebody who has actually made a genuine mistake and exposed their organization to serious harm. So not like me just failing tests. It's like there was a case in Australia at the Bank of Queensland where somebody fell for a business email compromise scam. And uh, exposed, I don't know, twenty thousand dollars, whatever the number was. They exposed the bank, so they got fired. The security team decided to fire them. Our Fair Work Commission came back with um, an unfair dismissal case, and they had to reinstate the bank manager. Hmm. Like, imagine, imagine the schmozzle around all of this. Um, yeah, it'd
0: be like bringing back someone that's. I mean, you, that would be a lot of bad all around, right?
1: it's a lot of bad karma a lot of a yeah. lot of bad things happening and the poor bank manager like when I was drilling into this case the bank manager noted that um the suffering that this has caused for her and her family as well financial emotional etc so you know one of the things in that research is the importance you know we'll talk about I talk about empathy a lot but you know making that a little bit tangible it's like understanding, before you do anything, actually evaluating um, all of the impacts on the reci- recipient. So that's a victim.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's another genuine case where I would I would not choose um, dismissal, for example. And then there's two others. There's I can't remember what we called them. There's like the frequent flyer, the person who <laughs> constantly, constantly yes, fails. Their because they do situation. it so often. Yeah. But then there's the ones that cause the real problems and they are the ones who, you know, and I've met them in my career and I'm sure you have as well, but because of their position, because of their title, because, you know, they're just above it all, oh, we don't care, they will repeatedly flout the rules and eventually they will cause harm. And that's where I think, you know, that's where I think we can direct our punitive efforts, but I'm going to take another step back. So, of course, I developed a framework. Like it's so, it's, it's so not been in my research to develop frameworks, but I did that. And there was one pre-framework thing that we uh, designed, and that's thinking of all the different interventions. And one of the things we do in security is, I don't think we, um, don't think we think about this. Like every intervention has got. Uh, An amount of engagement, punitive action, Um, and yeah, it's got like, it's got different characteristics. So it's not just punishments. So for example, an empathy is the third one. So for example, one of the, one of the recommendations is take people out, understand why they're failing, actually have coffee with them, have, have lunch and learns. Like why, why is this repeatedly an issue? Why you repeat are you a frequent flyer? And that is really high in empathy because you're listening. Uh, it is high in engagement but low in punitive action. But every single thing that you do has got these characteristics in it.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of and sense. And I
1: think if you can kind of structure it in your head like that and start plotting it in that framework, I just think it's so much more helpful than Carrot stick, yeah. It it just becomes more nuanced.
0: uh, Yeah, I think that's really because I mean, uh, you know, I think um, like I talk to a lot of people all the time, and like on a personal level, like I can I can openly admit this. Like I'm I'm not an empathetic person. Like I will anyone that knows me would probably say no shit. But like I'm not empathetic. However, that's
1: true but anyway,
0: I've, I've worked on it like I've made it a point to work really hard on it. And, and the fact that you're saying that um that there's an empathy piece of this. Right. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize the value that's there of being able to say, you know, flip the scripts, put me in their position. And, you know, that that thing, because it security is like only people like security is fucking security people. Nobody else likes it
1: okay so the only reason I'm gonna challenge you on you not having empathy and you know like you know we've we've known each other for three and a half years it's a moderate amount of time mm-hmm. and I you know I think people just confuse what empathy is I just feel like empathy is just listening and I know in the last three and a half years you have listened to me multiple times you've I've felt at least like you've understood. Oh, yeah. You have helped me progress from position A to position B on something. You've like, that's all empathy is. Empathy is not necessarily hugs and cuddles. So, when we talk about empathy, and the reason why I'm challenging specifically on this is because I know that there'll be a lot of listeners who are like, empathy, empathy, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But no, it's just a specific thing of listening to people, acknowledging what they're saying. And it's something that we can all do. We all have it in us. In fact, I know very few people who don't have empathy.
0: That's a really well, yeah. That's I mean, that's that's kind of eye-opening, right? Because I mean, a lot of people would think empathy is that soft, squishy, huggy, huggy, yeah. you know. And it's not. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's listening and understanding. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, who doesn't want more of that in any way, shape, or form? Like that's right. that's it, right. That's
1: yeah. Like you've written books, you and you would not have written books if you hadn't listened to hundreds and thousands of people and incorporated all of these different information like that is empathy it's the well, highest no, so level. I can say I can say I'm, I'm empathetic you can no longer say you don't have empathy Woo!
0: <laughs> i win i get an empathy sticker all right cool
1: <laughs> we all do
0: yeah well so so okay let's take a let's take a scenario because i want to i want to pick your brain on how you would deal with the scenario right Let's say I'm a CISO or SISO as as you say, which is way more eloquent. And I've got two or three people that every time they're failing, they're failing. They circumvent controls. They they're just not, you know, part of the program. We've chatted, we've talked, we've trained, we've like, and we've done everything we possibly can. Like, where is the in your opinion, where is the line of like, I can't continue to risk my business because I mean, they're in very real terms. They could wreck my business if they continue doing what they, where's the, the line in the sand of like, look, this is it. Or there's the door.
1: I think, I think the line in the sand, it's a couple of things. I think there's an intent line and there's a frequency line. And then there is the examining of all of the things, you know, it's, um, one of my favourite pieces of research that we've done uh, in recent times has been around the relationship between zero trust and productivity. And we've always talked about zero trust as this amazing way to to change the or to elevate the security posture of the organisation that's great. But then when we start talking about it from a productivity perspective, when I started looking at some of the productivity data and why people circumvent rules it is actually because they just want to be productive. <laughs> like most people are not doing it to be jerks. Mm-hmm. So the security policies are too, too stringent, stringent for them and mm-hmm. they, yes, and they know that or it is easier for them and better for them if they circumvent the rules and they go ahead and they do something uh, different because that's easier. So I, I just personally find it really, really hard to judge people for doing that and you know we've we've both got children and I've got a I've got a teenager and I sometimes watch her wily ways and what what she gets away with and when she tells me why she did something wrong it's like yeah gosh I had a really stupid rule in place of that I did not need to give you that few hours of device time in the middle of a lockdown Maybe I'll change that. And I think, you know, and the same with zero trust, you know, and then we talk about a case. So then you're introducing, uh, you're, you're removing passwords, you are removing VPNs, you're removing some of these obstacles to productivity. So that's one, productivity. Like let's get real about this. You know, I don't really know that many Sizos who have sat down and listened and, you know, why did you flout the rules? Um, what's going on in the overall culture? From the other market that I cover, which is awareness, behavior and culture, there's a whole bunch of uh, vendors right now they're they're tiny but amazing and they measure or they do a culture mapping, a security culture mapping of the enterprise. What's the sentiment around security? what's how do people feel about security? And again, it sounds very airy fairy, but when you get into the science of that, you can really pinpoint why some of these sentiments are, the way they are. And again, it comes down to not changing your training or yourself or your principles, but something is broken in those processes that we can fix. So that's number two, Uh, making sure obviously all of the processes are in place. If something does go wrong, making sure the training is not making your people feel like they want to poke their eyes out in a stick Um. And, and I just think it's the combination of all of these things. You know, I was talking to a sizeo this morning. Who? Um, hold on, I just want to just the exact words that she used. One of the things that she coached her team on is presuming positive intent. So you assume positive intent in everybody until until you're told otherwise, which kind of makes you. Like it's annoying for people, you know, like us who are a bit like me who's a bit hot headed and just wants to get stuff done. But it's like if you can think that people are doing things from a good place and and then it's the processes rather than the remote, It's it's just all a lot easier. Mm. So that's a lot of steps before you get to that frustrated point. But I think at that point if you really have done all these things, you are frustrated then, you know, Go ahead, fill your boots.
0: (laughs) Fill your boots. I like that. That's 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 a a, yeah. I like that. I might have to borrow that one. Fill your
1: boots. (laughs)
0: So, I mean, further further down the road, because you've done some research on this too, right? Is the is the it's sort of tangential. Is the problem culturally of like I think you coined it, the brilliant jerk.
1: Hmm.
0: Can you can you kind of expand on what you mean by that and what what that play is in the space and why that's a problem.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's so many things. I don't I don't even know where to start with that. I think with one of my experiences in security has been just you, you know, the ups and downs of the security teams that I've worked in. And for everybody that I know, I've had so many friends who have left this profession actually. So many incredibly talented friends and you know, our loss. The other professions gains on that one. It's um, we we lose people and we sit here and we talk about attracting people into cybersecurity. We talk about retaining people in cybersecurity. We talk about paying them more money, and then we we I specifically in my research talk about building a positive security culture where the enterprise is engaged in security and we have hearts and minds engagement and then I think about my experiences with the security teams and I think what like we have to fix that first that's at the heart of every single thing it's not just also at the heart of culture retention attraction it's at the heart of every security programs and I'd have you know I started doing research on this and didn't never really realized that I kind of knew but never really realised this wasn't just me. It was everybody. Every single person I speak to is an expert on this idea of toxicity in cybersecurity because we've all experienced it. We've all been part of these really horrible teams. Um, anecdotally, for 50-something percent of the people that I speak to, they've wanted to quit their job or they have quit their job because of toxicity. And I reckon the other 45-plus percent of the people just are too shy to say it when I ask in front of public audiences. It's a real, it's such a big systematic issue and it impacts us on so many levels. And I think very specifically for security, if you think of a team, and I can tell you, I've been part of a team or teams where people have thrown chairs at each other in the meeting because they've been so passionate about what they think um, where there's been laptops slammed, people shouting across the room you know, you're in the middle of a cybersecurity security transformation and these things are happening and then it's like okay how what think about the time element of it people are going to HR instead of working on whatever their project is people are fighting, they're escalating. They're miserable. They're taking time off. They are depressed. There's mental health issues that come about. No one is doing security. No one is thinking proactively. No one is thinking creatively. Mm-hmm. There's, it's really, it, I just think the consequences, we don't, we talk so much about the adversaries as the enemy. And of course, they are. But what are we doing to help ourselves with that?
0: So, I mean, the the follow-on piece of that that's interesting uh, from my perspective is like the the leadership side of this equation, right? You seem to have leadership that will paint themselves into a corner with the brilliant jerk or jerks. And then they're actually running things whether or not leadership needs to admit it or not. Yes. I mean, that's pretty... It's pretty common, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I don't know what that's about. I actually don't. I genuinely don't know what that's about. I think there's I so many. The I see it all the time. Pardon?
0: Like I see oh, it all the time. All
1: the time.
0: It's crazy to me because you'll be like, you're the CEO. And, you know, but, and they say, well, I'm in charge. No, you're not. The The jerk that's yelling at everybody and crushing everybody's, you know, hopes and dreams in the space, they're in charge. You're just a figurehead.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's such hard conversations to have and, you know, you get all the buts, you know, but they've done this, but they're so amazing at that. It's like, okay, well, why don't why don't we isolate them? You know, why don't we, not, you know, figuratively, like why don't we not give them a team? Why don't we... <laughs> or
0: literally, sometimes literally
1: is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, sometimes you do have to make the tough calls and I just find it amazing, you know, one of the first things... I think one of the most important things that's happened for me as part of this research is naming it. So, you know, people are always looking for action items and what can we do? It's like, you know what? All you have to do at this stage is name the problem because if you don't name it, then you're burying your, your head in the sand. You are not acknowledging its existence, and that's what gives things air times, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: And that's uncomfortable though. Nobody likes to be uncomfortable. And they, like, I deal with that with all my ZT workshops with folks of, you start kind of saying like, you know, your, your strategy and your investments are wrong and you need to own that. And they kind of just go, well, I don't really think that that's accurate. And it's like, then why am I here? Like you're paying me to do this.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And it's not, I mean, like you say, it's not, it's not a personal thing. It's just like, this is what's happened and you have to, you know you can't ever deal with it if you don't actually admit that there's a problem
1: yeah yeah i think admitting the problem is such a big thing in our industry and it's like you know the number of people that have emailed me it's like oh my god thank you for saying that i didn't realize that's the situation i mean that's the situation i mean i need to make some decisions i hate that i have to do this but i'm so glad it's like oh uh, now all we have to do is get leaders to acknowledge this. And then and then we'll be good. But no, I do find a lot of resistance from leadership to admit that it is the problem. And you know what? I think I mean, this is not specific to security at all, but insecurity I think it's compounded by the fact that many of us go through this journey in security from technical backgrounds, not necessarily. Um, the wealth of leadership skills and leadership training and coaching and mentoring that potentially other parts of the business have, um, you know, making them a little bit less susceptible. And I say that with cautious because I haven't got data to say more susceptible or less susceptible, but um, it, it is it is such a big thing for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've got some folks that have pinged me about like, you know, do you think your doctorate was worth it or whatever else? And I tell them all the time, I like if I could go back, I would go back and do an MBA because I think the business practices and leadership yeah. stuff is more valuable than being able to build a computer program.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And not, you know, not everybody thinks like that. And I think, you know, not again, not from a bad place, but everyone has just gone through this journey and they've found themselves in these roles. You know, you go, you become a security manager, and then suddenly. You start going to these networking groups, you call yourself a SISO, it goes on your CV, you get hired as a SISO, and it's like, oh, there's just a couple of steps that are sometimes missed. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes when you watch SISOs who have been through leadership training and who've got people leadership in abundance, it's like, oh my God, they are so inspirational and so they've got so many tips and techniques and um, tools yeah. under their belts. But not, unfortunately, that's a minority in my experience.
0: Do you think? Do you think that we have either an unfair advantage or disadvantage in business in general? Just because, like you're saying, a lot of us aren't business people, and we're not necessarily like—I mean, it's, it's okay. Like, I'll admit it—we're not—we're not necessarily trained leaders. Do you think we're? Do you think that's why we've had such a problem getting a seat at the table?
1: Yeah. 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 Ab- absolutely. Absolutely, I think, and I think it comes down to, um, you know, we for all our talk at the moment of wishing to hire people from diverse backgrounds and and different perspectives and different uh, genders and different nationalities. Uh, sorry, we we're still we're still nowhere we're still nowhere near that. We're still hiring largely from the same pool, people who are very similar to each other. So that focus on business uh, is really not there. And actually I speak in that toxicity research in particular, I speak to a lot of people who come in from other backgrounds, you know, really lured in by the hype that we've created, by the altruistic nature of security, by the money, of course. And they, some of their experiences that they recount to me of how they are treated mm. uh, not being a true security person. And I'm doing, for, for those of you who are oh, listening to this, I'm here doing here. air quotes, um, <laughs> which is very, uh, very 80s. But, um, you know, it's, we they get mocked. They get completely alienated for not being a true security person. And I, I
0: hate that What's for them. A fucking, what, is a, what is a fucking true security person?
1: What is a true security person? I've heard that. I've heard that label put on people who've been in security for 20 years. They're not a real security person. They tell me like, what, what is that actually? Um, I I don't know. I've never quite, you know, when you challenge people on what a real security person is, they can never answer. Oh, they're from a sales background. They're not a real security person. Oh, they're from a psychology background. They're not a real security person. But she's just been running the SOC for the last 15 years for a major financial services organisation. What more does she have to do to prove to you that she's a real security person? So there is that. And imagine like imagine, I'm just trying to find my some of my research interview notes. It's pretty terrifying the things I hear for on that particular so we are hiring the same people and we we are making it impossibly difficult for others. Hiring students.
0: the same people all the way up and down the food chain, all the way from entry all the way to the executive. Really? Absolutely. We're really? trying.
1: Like the rhetoric over the last one and a half years has changed. We are trying. We are speaking... It's a start. Is
0: that fair to say? Like, we've started that, maybe? It's a
1: start. I think it's a start.
0: I'll give us that.
1: that. I'll give us that. I'll give us that. Because, look, you know, and it all starts somewhere. You know, I speak to people whom I've managed in the past, and they'll text me regularly. They'll text me with, guess what? I'm running, you know, they're running a security team or a security architecture team. And they'll say, oh, we're 60% women now, 40% men, woo look, how amazing, and, you know, and they'll text me with all sorts of successes. They will text me or call me, tell me that they didn't hire a vendor because they brought in uh, an all-male presenting panel to an RFP discussion, you know, and I I love that. I love being one of the leaders who started that conversation. I have hopefully influenced some people and they're going to be influencing their people and and that's and that's how change starts.
0: Yeah I mean I hired I hired interns this summer that were two of them, uh well they were from one of them was 19 never done a day out of high school and uh didn't know cyber from nuclear physics and then the other the other cat was uh midway through school in um uh, just you know political science and they yeah. just both were that's interested in yeah well I mean it was just it was one of those things that they were both interested in security and i just said i need an intern and they jumped on it And it's like Ugh. initiative great here you go you know um because yeah. I, I that's that's the, the thing i run into that i i i know you got other stuff to do but the last thing i wanted to kind of pick at your brain was like i agree i think we've we've done a we've done a disservice by not opening ourselves up and by not bringing in the right people and not being more inclusive in it's that whole side of the equation
1: but, yeah but,
0: you know, like when do you hit the the wall of like look you got to you know i mean there requires people to stand up and take some personal ownership and accountability and be like i don't give a shit what brick wall you put in front of me i'm coming through it and i mean yeah. it sucks it's not easy and i i get it i'm speaking from a perspective of i'm a white guy i'm ex military i'm all tatted up like i fit i'm stereotypical cybersecurity dude 101 so yeah. You know, but yeah you're my like,
1: polar opposite well, but I mean, you've
0: done great things, right? And you've, yeah. like, as, as long as I've known you and all the history that I've figured out about you, like, you've never taken yeah. no for an answer. And I think that that's something that, like, a lot of people, and I, two of my interns that I almost hired this summer, one of them said they weren't going to do it because they weren't comfortable. And I was like, how much of your life are you not going to achieve because you're uncomfortable and, like, that's just it, just do it. Mm. Is that so way is off- your
1: question then around personal accountability for all of this?
0: I'm just asking, is that way off base or is it totally unfair to, to, for the individual, not for the collective, right? Collectively, we have to do a better job. But for a lot of these folks, I get people that ping me on Twitter about imposter syndrome and whatever else. And it's like, dude, just do it. Like if you were, I mean, I don't know shit about banking, but if I decided tomorrow that I want to be a banker, I'm going to go find a way to be a banker and, you know, kick ass and take names and be a banker. Like, yeah, but...
1: so so you are being a little bit unfair, I think. I agree, that's what I'm saying. I, is... think, I think the system that's been designed in our world has supported you. Like, yes, your confidence is amazing, it's contagious, Um, but there's also been a system that's designed around you to elevate and support that confidence. So, yes, I've done amazing things in my life, but I often think, gosh, how much more I could have done without having to constantly, persistently, systematically smash my head up Hmm. against all these barriers. And why the bloody hell should we expect anybody to have to do that? Why? Why should it have been that when I came back from maternity leave, my name is not on the leadership um, chart of the organisation? Like, why would that have happened? Why would it have been that... When I applied for a promotion and didn't get the feedback that I was given was because of my girly behavior in the workforce. why was I told that my skirt was too short at a particular company where I was absolutely excelling at every single um, every single KPI I had. And then you think of these things as a collective and you think like that's that's exhausting. that grinds you down that grinds you down. There have been many times in my career where I have either stepped out of security or thought to step out of security because of all these just systematic is all I can say. It's so systematic. You know, walking into a room with 15 people that look like you, no matter how much I love and respect you, I don't want to be there. I feel, you know, I feel... Different, I sound different, I look different. Obviously, it I don't know if it's a reasonable expectation to ask people to counteract that, to mm. to smash their heads against that. I don't I don't think so. We're doing research on gender bias at the moment with um Sandy, Allah, Jess, Ali, Melissa, Celeste, and what's coming out very clearly out of our interview and out of our conversations is stop asking those who are experiencing these um, prejudices to fix them. That's not like there's we we just can't do it anymore. It's friggin exhausting. So what then it becomes is all of us in a position of privilege and I'm going to include myself very firmly in that. It, it's that's our job to change the system and to make it uh, more inclusive, more welcoming um, for for those people who and you know and support support those self confidence issues. Just in summary, those self confidence issues some of them are inbuilt, but others are because of what these people have encountered in their lives.
0: Mm. Yeah, you would I mean, not
1: even, you wouldn't even dream, you wouldn't even dream of encountering some of the things that we've, that suck, but and you know, and I'm privileged, that people have encountered.
0: Well, you're privileged, and I mean, the other people are privileged because you've, you've succeeded in spite of the shit in front in of you. Of I have, that. I have a billion pounds of respect for anybody that's done that. So, I mean, that's. Yeah, me too. And I mean, that's like, like my, uh, my grandmother, she she was, uh, she was the first woman in the state of Texas licensed to sell stock back in the 60s. And she she ran, yeah, she ran a business selling stock as a stockbroker for 40 years as a woman, yeah. you know, so like, I, I'm, I'm fortunate because I've been around people that uh, have shown me that like, there's ways to just go at it. Um, and I I'm always interested to, from the other side of it, right? Like, it's, None of this is easy. Um, I think that we're trying to do a little bit better, but I think I think the start has been, we're behind the rest of the industries because they've had so much yeah. more time to do this.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe that's a bit harsh on us, but yeah, look, I think the start is we are having these conversations, right? And I think, you know, on imposter syndrome specifically, for example, we one of the things the more senior people in the industry are trying to do now is coach people out of, saying imposter syndrome
0: yeah right
1: because it's really we just need to recognize the systematic issues that exist around it like it's not your self-confidence that's busted it's the system around you has been actually so broken and what we all have to collectively do now is fix it that doesn't mean you work harder or you work more Mm. it's it it really it really is gross like that that concept of making people work harder to rise like i don't know i don't i don't it's very very complicated
0: yeah i mean there's a lot of nuance there because then you could also have the people that are on the other side of the equation be like who's saying that i didn't work hard right you know
1: y- you yeah i mean my husband god bless him and i know he'll never be listed to this podcast yeah <laughs> <filter. laughs> Um, but he he has a real issue with me calling him privilege. He's like, but I've worked hard for my privilege. And it's like there's a lot of research behind this, which I won't go into, but just because you're privileged doesn't mean you haven't worked hard. You just, and I think we're doing everybody a disservice by denying our privilege sometimes. Like, yeah, I'm privileged, so what can I do? What mm. can I do to contribute? What can I do to support Um, you know we've been doing research on male allyship as well and that's been incredible for me incredibly eye-opening and that particular journey um, that those who because you know everybody can call themselves a male ally and you know how you win all these industry awards for male champion of change it's like well are you though? Like, what have you, what have you done? Um, so it can be quite performative. Um, but actually what I've learned is that there's very little performative in it. It's, there's so much work that goes so much courage, so much self-awareness, um, that goes into being a male ally of change that, um, you know, there's even a maturity curve. So I think and very specific actions people can take. It's it's up to all of us.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, God bless me with daughters. I have daughters, and my my daily routine revolves around figuring out what I can do to leave something a little bit better for them. So
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Huh. Well, I think we've covered pretty much every
1: topic. <laughs> we've covered everything. What what else do we need to solve? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I know you've got uh, more important stuff to do than suck oxygen and waste time with me, but um, I appreciate I appreciate you. your
1: time. That was you know, so much fun.
0: I, lo- I-, I love talking to you. You always just bring a smile to my face. So thank you for uh, taking the time to chat with me, talking about your research, and you know, I'm going to drag you back on here again in the future. So be prepared.
1: Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
0: Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.